In the final moments of the play, Bart Simpson stands on stage alone. And he sings, and now that I've lost everything, now that everyone I love is gone, all I have left is everything. The river carries me on. I have no interest in seeing a play about The Simpsons. I mean, The Simpsons is fine. I watched it when it first came out, which is when I was in middle school. I watched it in our upstairs family room in the Parsonage. Our TV was little, even by the standards of the 1980s. But overall, the picture is so clear in my mind that on some level I feel like it's all still there. That upstairs room with windows looking out over the side yard, the couch in neutral plaid tones, my brother and I hunched near the TV, my dad on the sofa, his mouth open wide in a roar of laughter. I mean, I know people still like the show. I don't have any beef with The Simpsons. But I don't want to see a play that's about a TV show, any TV show. It just seems a little derivative, lazy. So I wasn't going to go, but then a friend recommended it, and he's a playwright, and it was a really strong recommendation, and so I went. And man, you know, the whole first act made me think I had been right. I mean, it's like five people sitting around on stage trying together to remember a single particular episode of The Simpsons. I went to Wrigleyville on a Saturday night over St. Patrick's Day weekend, no less, for this. But then by the end of the play, I was crying while Bart Simpson sang, I don't know what will be next. Love never dies in memory, and I will meet life gloriously. And the chorus joins him, I will meet life gloriously. And Carton and my theater buddy and I stumbled out into the mess of Belmont, speechless. I did not expect to be so undone. I didn't expect to be asked to think about the collapse of all meaning and the end of everything, and to consider times when the way forward is completely opaque. I didn't expect to think about how memory works and what we remember and what we get wrong. I didn't expect to feel so much yearning. There's so much of the scripture, especially the Hebrew Bible, that's about remembering. Remembering what God has already done. Teaching it to your children. Remembering what bad stuff happened and how bad it was when people forgot the past. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Remember, God brought you out. Remember the days of old. If you don't, ask your elders and they'll tell you. Remember the promises God made to Moses. Remember God's miracles. Remember God's wonderful works. Remember God's covenant. There will be a time ah, when all people will remember God. Remember, God is your rock. Remember, remember, don't forget. And then Isaiah 43, don't remember the former things or consider the things of old. It's like a record scratch moment. Because of all times to say this, of all times to hear it, the people of God in exile in Babylon, a people who were promised again and again, I will make a place for you where you will live undisturbed. But they have been disturbed. They have been removed from their place. A people who know where and how to worship God in the temple in Jerusalem. But there is no temple anymore, destroyed by the invaders. And they're not even in Jerusalem. 
a people who were to remember the past and teach it to their children, a people who'd be, God had promised, as numerous as the stars in the sky. But now, they were cut off, living in Babylon, and admonished suddenly not to remember, not to consider all those old things. There are always people living somewhere like this in a refugee camp in Greece, at our own southern border, in jail cells here in Chicago, people cut off from their own people, from their place, from what they know, from who they've been. There are people whose circumstances might not be as global, but they feel the same way, people who can't imagine what's next, people who can remember a time when things felt good or when it looked like change was coming or when they had a place to be in a way of understanding, but for whom that's all a thing of the past now. People for whom the way forward is uncharted. People who are too tired to feel hope. People in this room. People we know. That, by the way, is what it turns out the play was about. The Simpsons play. It's about people without a way forward. It's an apocalyptic play. Some terrible nuclear disaster has happened. And our new future and everyone, near future and everyone's just trying to survive. In the second act, they're about a decade out from the disaster. And they yearn for things like safety and civilization, sure. But they also yearn for taking baths with hot water that comes out of the tap. They yearn for ordinary things like bad traffic and people stealing lunches out of the work fridge. Regular hassles. They yearn so much for Diet Coke even as they get farther and farther away from all the old ways, all the old possibilities, the people in the play memorialize these things. They all represent comfort and normalcy and home. Anyway, that's the play. Babylon, exile, there's no way forward. And then the prophet Isaiah says, don't remember the former things or consider the things of old. Just when the former things sounded so good. Just when the things of old seem like exactly what's needed. A place, a home, promises, a way to worship God, just a way to be, nothing fancy. By the grace of God, we're not actually a church that suffers too much from saying, we've never done it that way before. That's a phrase that some people call the seven last words of the church. Some people who are church nerds enough to laugh at it, right? Seven last words. We've never done it that way before. Instead, we're a congregation that has been shaped and reshaped time and again. A congregation that started in a living room and met in a storefront on Irving Park, that built a building when people and funds allowed, that built a parsonage, that bought and sold a second home for a pastor. A church that built and then rented out an education wing. A small church, a big church, a very, very small church, a growing church. We're a church that hired two pastors when what we wanted was just one. We can roll with it. But we're also, like any organization, like any person, we're all living on a moment between all that's been and whatever's next. We have a congregation, half of whom weren't here five years ago, half. We have a church council with three members who've only been members for a year. And none of the council members were here ten years ago. And we're 
a brand new church by some measures. Even to people who grew up here and come back, we're not the same. Ruth and Kathy here this morning. Ruth celebrated her 80th birthday earlier this year. And loads of her family came to celebrate. And one of her grandsons said to me at coffee hour, it's a lot smaller than I remember. And I'll confess to y'all, I got super defensive. I said, well, actually, we're growing quite a bit. But all he meant was the thing that we all mean when we go back to our school or our childhood, which is like, no, oh, it's not the huge edifice I remember. Fellowship hall, smaller than I remember, even the sanctuary. Coming back just isn't the same. One of the things that's needed in a new moment, which is to say every moment, one of the things that's needed is to honor what's been and, and retool it so we can make use of it. I think there's pretty good news that the prophet's admonition to forget is an impossible one to follow. There are things in our past, our collective memory, things that God has done for us that are unforgettable. But it's in the retooling, the making use of, where it's possible to get bogged down in the past, bogged down in yearning for what has undeniably, irretrievably passed away. Yaroslav Pelikan is a scholar of Christianity whose name really rolls off the tongue. Yaroslav Pelikan articulated it this way, tradition is the living faith of the dead. And traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. It's a tongue twister. He says tradition, the things that ground us, the tools we have that have been passed down to us, they're the ongoing life of that which has come before, that which has been passed down to us, that which has died. Tradition can be vibrant and vital, a living voice from a long dead past. Traditionalism, on the other hand, that's what traps us prevents us from moving forward, grinds us to a halt, dead. We, the living, dragging around the dead weight of what has been and is never coming back. But to remember who we are and why we're gathered together in the name of the living God, that's a different kind of remembering, not a kind that traps us. To remember that God is a God who makes a way in the sea the unmarkable sea where no one can leave a trail for the next to follow. To remember that God makes a path in mighty waters, dry paths where there is a torrent. To remember that God is a God who is with us through the wilderness, through each catastrophe and every beginning again. That's a different kind of remembering. It's a kind of memory that creates possibility, that leaves room for God's creative and unprecedented action kind of memory that draws people together and creates room to see a way forward. A kind of memory that carries people along with it, a river of tradition and living faith and practice. It's a kind of memory that invites others in, that teaches an old traditional dance to a boy who doesn't yet know it. It's a present tense river that can buoy up even those with no memory. Those for whom there is no pastime to rely on. Those who are just joining the community. Those who haven't heard God's promises firsthand. A river that roars in the ears. Don't dwell on where you've been. You're here now, moving, moving along. Ours is always and only a present tense faith. Or it's not faith. Always and ever a present tense church. Or it's something 
different than church. And our survival, our collective and individual survival, it's only ever right now. But none of it is our job to create out of nothing from a present moment that begins again right now with nothing behind it. In the play, after decades of yearning for Diet Cokes and hot baths, of grieving for what was lost irretrievably, there is a new thing that emerges. And all of Act Three is this surreal, misremembered version of a particular Simpsons episode. One that even a casual fan of the show is eerily familiar, but clearly wrong. It's uncanny, it's, it's like I remember and, and not at all. Some of the major plot points have changed and major characters have swapped roles in the story. And in the play, the new, wrong, familiar story has become a, become a kind of sacred text that sings about what had been in a way that remembers, remembers, yearns and gets it wrong. But the old way has been turned loose and this new, new, weird thing has emerged. A thing that, yes, acknowledges what has been and all that was lost. Everything was lost, sings Bart. But a thing that has remade the tools, silly as it all started out, just a Simpsons episode, into something that makes a way forward for a post-catastrophe people, for a people who once couldn't imagine that anything was next, a people who were too weary even to hope. Don't remember the former thing. Don't consider the things that have been. They will wrap around your ankles and clutch at your clothes and bog you down. They are too many. They are gone in any case. They are crowding your eyes so you can't even see that God is about, always about, to do a new thing. The way forward is through a clearing, an opening in what has been. Don't think about all that, the prophet says. That's over. There is no upstairs room in the parsonage with my family laughing in it. Disaster struck our family 20 years ago this weekend, and within six weeks, we moved out of that house and out of Massachusetts. Those six weeks, someone at the church told me, we were lucky to get that long. Some churches would have turned us out on the street, they said, our belongings, that plaid couch. There's no going back, whatever the disaster, whatever the change. For any of us, all that's left is to survive now. All that's left is whatever's next. Like Bart sings, all that's left is everything. We do remember. We remember the place we've come from. We remember. We remember. We remember these, I am. We remember Damascus. We remember Kabul. We remember Kandahar. We remember Pittsfield, Massachusetts. We remember the family we've lost, the catastrophes that have happened. They're unforgettable. We remember the promises. We remember what God has done. It's unforgettable. We remember that survival, that faith, that church, that hope, they are all present tense activities. They are all poised right now with us in this moment between what has been and all that's coming.